Thanks for tuning into Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guests today are international lay evangelist, or I could say a ministry couple in their own way. One is a retired accountant, and the other is a music educator, pianist, and author. Kokto Yip and Roxana Tang, welcome to Upward Way. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I am really excited to have you here today. And I must also say thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to make yourselves available for this interview. Now, I want to start with a question that perhaps maybe you you wouldn't have been thinking about. How did you both come together? Well, I've been praying for a husband (laughs) and it was somehow with a lot of requirements to God. You know, I made a list. And so... When God pointed me out one day while I was in church that this is the man, I was stunned because he filled so much of the list at that moment. And um, there were things that were not filled yet. And in time to come, it filled them. So I was very sure he is the one that God has chosen for me. Well, on my side, uh, I think the story goes back somewhat, you know, because Roxana was born into a Christian family, and I was born into a Buddhist Taoist family. So there it all began, right? So I have a completely different background. I became Christian later, only at 38 years old. I had a conversion experience, a change, a dramatic change. I started life as a Taoist Buddhist, and then I became a Zen meditator. And then from Zen meditation, which is Eastern, I became a Christian. So we come from different worlds and we approach our life desire of uh, how we want to reach others for Christ, for their life, their life benefit. So we come from different angles, you know. And so we met later, of course, as Christians, both of us, but with different objectives, a different aim of how we want to reach others for Christ. That's beautiful. And you realize that they have not said a whole lot just yet, because at a later date, we'll get a chance to hear some more from Kokto as he will share with us his actual journey. But we will not be getting too much into that in today's show. I want you now to tell us your ministry. How did it get started, the name and all of that? Well, we don't have a name actually for our ministry at the moment, but people call us the couple (laughs) because that's the uniqueness of our ministry. We speak together most of the time and uh, it's very unusual for people to see both husband and wife speaking together. So we stand out in that sense. We haven't found a name for the ministry, but we started this ministry when COVID stepped in, 
And we found that people would be freer, they would perhaps be bored, and they would be interested also to find out things regarding prophecy. And having heard and understood that the prophetic messages would be more proclaimed at the end of time, we have actually been equipping ourselves so that when the message is being uh, caught up and people are interested to know about it, we will be ready to give it. So when COVID came, I realized that this is a time and we have to devote ourselves to it. So that's how we started because Zoom was also more to say people are getting used to it. It's the new norm right now. So it reminds me of the time when Martin Luther came out with the Protestant Reformation and printing was already in progress at that time, and it was able to disseminate what he was proclaiming. And so when we had this Zoom device and people were all getting used to using it, my thoughts were, we've got to start this. And so we kept it rolling and rolling, and that's how we gathered momentum. And we found that people are really hungering for the word. Some of them have even testified to us saying, if you had asked me before COVID started to study prophecy, even if you force me to, I would fall asleep and not study it. <laughs> but now they have attended so many different sessions on prophecy because the antennas are now up. The Zoom prophetic ministry actually was over the last two years, COVID. But before that, as I said, I became a um, Christian when I was 38 years old. So much later, uh, let's say from this point in time, going back perhaps uh, 10 years, I started speaking about meditation, warning people of the differences between Bible meditation versus Eastern. And in contrast to hybrids of Eastern and Christian, not completely pure biblical meditation by hybrids. So that started like 10 years ago. And that's where I started. Okay. And then subsequently, and going back uh, a few more years, Roxana got into her publishing and writing her music books. And that was before COVID. And then during COVID, the Zoom prophetic ministry started. Okay. So this is uh, more to give the audience an idea, it's more uh, sequential, okay? So I will be talking about um, in another session on meditation, but perhaps you should talk about your music. Yes, my music ministry. books actually started. Just before you, you get into that, because that's where we'll be going, but I think there is something additional that I would want the audience to, to pull from this um, online ministry, as you mentioned, since Zoom that you actually have a website. It's called mindfulofchrist.com. It's M-I-N-D-F-U-L-L-O-F-C-H-R-I-S-T.com. And you have quite a lot of resources there. So if you could just talk a little about that first, and then, of course, I will allow you now to share your side, Sister Roxana, of the ministry. On the prophetic ministry, you want to talk about it. That prophecy 
is also about love, about grace, about Christ. And that's where we come in. Because most Christians think that prophecy is doomsday, it's dark, it's gloomy. It's fearful. It's, yeah. So they, they don't know that in prophecy, there's love, there's grace, there's mercy, there's justice. All right, we have a website that has just been put up about a month ago, and it has the videos of our sessions. We have 10 videos in there, and we started with the 70-week prophecy, and that is a prophecy that we show projects the love, mercy, and perfect forgiveness of God. And then we go on to the second and to the 10. And along with that, we have the PDFs so people can actually download and print it out so they can study alongside and make notes as they go along so that they can understand and actually listen to it over and over again because there's lots of information there and it's new to some people because they have not studied history. So as they study, the more they listen, the more they'll see how the dots fit together along with all the scriptural texts that we have provided. Now, what we've found is that our audience find that the material is, well, first of all, serious, that it is deep and too deep for a first, first listen of the, uh, the video. And so they actually, after 10 sessions, Many of them, in fact, the last rerun of the videos got about 80 people re-listening again to it so that they can tap into a deeper understanding of it. So this resource is not just a one-through resource, right? And so, for example, they said at the first run, right, they say, my, this is a paradigm shift. We've never seen prophecy this way before. And then in the second run, they said, well, my understanding have risen from 35% of it in the first run. Now I'm at 65%. <laughs> so it's a resource material for study. That's what we're trying to do. Okay. So Roxana talked about, you know, the video that's sound and, and notes and all that. But then there's PDF of the slides. So it's a serious uh, website that we've got. All right, so now that you have got a little foretaste of what is there, we're going to get back to Roxana's story as she taught now about some of her projects because she is not only an educator, pianist, and a music teacher, but she's also an author. So I want to give you the opportunity now to talk about some of the projects that you have completed and then later on where we can access and all of that. Yes. I have grown up in church as a child. And so I have attended church school and, you know, all these songs that I have actually learned has drawn me closer to Christ as a child and as a teenager. And even as I grow up, I do reminisce some of these songs. And one day I told myself, you know, I've been teaching piano for so long, but the piano pieces that are being used hardly mention Jesus or God or church even. All these illusions are taken off piano books. And my heart just says, you know, we've got to draw children to know 
our creator because they spend so much time practicing at the piano. And how nice it would be if they can actually be so-called drawn to the love of God as they practice, to the knowledge of his beauty, of his saving grace. And so when I thought about that, I also started thinking about the needs or the lack of books in the piano literature that help them to develop that ear. The students often are being taught to read and play music, but less often to develop the audio skills. Now, for example, in Japan, students would often go to Yamaha and they would actually learn their oral skills, but not so in the rest of the world. So here I am in Singapore having trained in Yamaha and now teaching more on my own freelance. And so I felt that the books that are outside of the Yamaha syllabus do not often deal with the oral skills that are being examined in piano exams, as well as a much needed skill for musicianship as a whole. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to put this together so that there is this need that can be filled through these songs that at the same time lead a child and maybe an adult or a retiree to Christ. And so I started gathering all the songs and putting them in the order that would teach them something about piano playing as well as develop their audio skills. And that's the project that I started for book one. That was the most difficult project because there are not many songs that can be so simple. And my first song I found the most simple is God is So Good. That only involves the five fingers of the right hand, which you can use to play with the left hand, but a complete song with the oral skills that I wanted to develop. So that's how I started. And then bit by bit, it progresses to a song that is slightly more advanced and so forth until I finished the book with John W. Peterson's Along the Road, which covers a whole what we call octave span for the piano. So from singing F to the next F, and we have taught now the children to develop interval sense from a second to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way to the eighth, or we say octave. So that's what book one is about. And then I went on after book one to book two, which has let sight sing and play with chords. Book one is just let sight sing and play. So you sing before you play the piano. You sing the, the do, re, mi, the solfege, and then you can sing the lyrics. So every song has lyrics. And then book two is now entitled Let Sight Sing and Play with Chords. So you have the left hand coming in to provide the harmony. And then after harmonizing it with chords, you will want to make the chords more interesting. And so I have Let Sight Sing and Harmonize. So you have more interesting chords and then more interesting patterns. So book four, Let Sight Sing and Improvise, which I use Christmas songs to do that project. And after that, I thought musicianship requires 
ensemble playing, like some pianists, they just know how to play on their own, but they cannot play together with somebody. Let's say a, a violinist needs to play the violin as they accompany, or maybe you have a singer in church who wants you to accompany. They don't quite know how to do that if they don't get ensemble training. And so ensemble training would be best when you have duets. So I have now the fifth book called Let's Have Fun with Piano Duets, in which they will learn to play with another person. So you have four hands at the piano. That way they will have to now listen to another person and be able to coordinate in time. And that's a training for the violinist or whatever instrumentalist you have. And so that's how I embarked with the first five books that came out as a set after a while. All the books are entitled Remember Your Creator. And now I have book six, which is actually an international project. I had, whether students or teachers or even dentists or whatever professions you are from, you can participate in a competition, a Bible scripture writing competition, and it's based on scripture text. So I did that last year, and I made it known to all the teachers and around the world that this is a project in which they will win a prize. So all the prize winners got to have their songs published in my book called Book 6, You Can Compose. So this is to encourage people to compose because it's part of musicianship. So I actually have five books and people see them as, uh, oh, only five, but you have seven numbers here. They say, why don't you write seven? And that's how I started thinking of book six. And book seven is in the process. We are thinking and uh, working on it. And book seven will be also this way, not landscape like books one to five. Book six is like a preparation for book seven, which is going to be you can accompany in which we will have not only piano score in here, but violin score, maybe a flute score, maybe a few cello scores that have piano accompaniment. So that's a project that's still in the works. And uh, we hope to see that coming up maybe by next year. Sounds exciting. And I want to sing, I want to compose, I want to play. But in, in terms of the target audience, let's say adults think about learning to play a musical instrument, a piano. Would you recommend those for adults or they are primarily for the younger minds? They are for children, for adults, for even teenagers and retirees. So the first song that I have here entitled God is So Good it's written very simply and a child or an adult that has uh, learned piano for three months or less, you know, for adults, it can be less. Uh, for a child, maybe if they are about five years old, maybe after they have learned for six months. So they will be able to play my very first song here. And I have made the book with pictures so that it's appealing to young children, but it's not so childish looking that the teenagers will be too embarrassed playing from it. And of course, adults who are learning piano, which they know will involve using a lot of children's songs, they are very open to learning from these children's books, which have pictures. 
And sometimes my, my customers call these worship songs. They play because they want to be drawn closer to God in their practice. They want to feel like they are worshiping God. And I have Christian parents with the children learning those songs. They said, I hope he can be a worship leader someday. Or they, they just feel so good hearing their children playing church songs that they can actually feel closer to God day in, day out as they listen to those music coming from the piano. Also, children who are not Christians have been learning these songs and they learn it by singing the sofage, the sofa like do, do, mi, re, 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 fa, mi, 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 sofa, re, fa, mi, re, do. Simple song. And they sing it in sofage. And then after that, they play and sing. Or they play, sing, and tap the beat. So they develop that sense of continuity as they count. So all these things are available, whether the child is a Christian or not. As long as they are open-minded enough, these songs are able to develop them into wonderful musicians. I'm going to get back to, to something you said at the start as to why these books were done and the way. Because you did mention the audio aspect of the test. I know quite a few persons who can play musical instruments, but they are not necessarily able to sing. So are you saying that with these books, uh, the person not only learn the skills of playing, but they are able to, to also sing along? That is one of the inspiration behind these sets of books, right? Yes. Okay. Some people ask me, now what about those who can't sing in pitch? So I have actually some videos on YouTube to help people sing in pitch because I have helped many children sing in pitch in my career. And one of my children, in fact, can't sing in pitch and has become a choir member when he was in school. So many people think, oh, if you're tone deaf, you're tone deaf for life. You can't develop that ability to sing, but that's not true. Tone deaf actually is the inability to match the voice with what you hear. So it's about the voice. So if you hear a pitch and they can't match the voice to that pitch, then what the teacher should do is to match the pitch of the piano to their voice so that the child gets the idea of what matching is about. And then I gave them some exercises for the voice, like making the sound of a siren, so that they get the voice <laughs> moving up and down, you know, instead of like a talking monotone. No, no, when we talk, our voices actually go, don't go as high or as low, but I make them go like a siren to help them to feel how the voice is actually being pushed upwards. And you need strength to do that. A lot of people who are so-called tone deaf don't realize how much energy they need to push their voice to get that high pitch. So when they feel and experience through all these sirens that I make them, you know, do it for fun and uh, they realize, hey, I need more energy. So with that, they get to pitch the sounds now higher and higher as the teacher leads them along on the piano. So once they know how to sight sing in pitch, then 
these songs develop them to what we call sight and not just hear and sing. We often listen. So it's imitation, you see. They hear the sound and then they sing it. So that's imitation. But to be able to sing by sight is to be able to look at the music, just all those musical symbols, and be able to produce the sound without the musical instrument's help, but just mentally producing it with your voice. That's an ability that not many, even pianists, can do, especially students. So where is that gap to close it so that they can do it? Even a lot of examination boards don't have a proper syllabus for them. So my books actually help to close the gap and so-called marry it together so that you don't wait till you're required to do an examination. Then you start developing those skills. It's too late. In fact, one of the very famous examination boards start developing them only at grade four. And grade five is just a little bit more difficult. But at grade six, the drastic change is so humongous that most students just get terrified by that stage. And those tests, how much more friendly it would have been if they follow my books and get trained at the very beginning of their piano education to have that slowly advancing for them so that when they get to that grade six level, they have no fear. They are totally prepared for it. In fact, they will be prepared for it even at grade three if they had used my books and sight sing along as they learn to play the piano. All right. So thank you. You know, as I, I listen to you sharing about the different aspects, I, I didn't study music, but I love music. I think I can do a little singing, but it makes me just want to get started. So I guess you have won over a student. In terms of, let's say, lessons or workshops, I know you have been an educator for many years. So currently, do you still teach actively or do you conduct workshops? And if yes or if not, you know, what about persons who would want to use the books? Yes, I teach minimally right now to keep in touch with my teaching. I have given about 10 workshops. One of them is, was even done at Steinway Piano Gallery in Singapore. And so I had the staff having all these cameras directed at me and it was done on Zoom and people actually had to pay for the sessions and they had to go through this uh, ticketing machine on websites to, <laughs> to get my uh, sessions going for them. So that was an experience that I had in October last year. I do conduct sessions, workshops for teachers to show them how my books can be used so that they can maximize them. So these workshops that I have done have been done physically. They have been done on Zoom, so it can be done either way. And um, what I have shown them is the learning tips and all the teaching points that are in my books and how they can see that the progression of these songs are such that it's very doable for them to use my books. It's not something that is so out of the ordinary, okay? Yet it has a niche. They will know how to use it. Many of them have given me the feedback that it's easy to use, but it does have a niche 
besides being Christian songs. So it can reach those who want Christian songs as well as those who want to have their musicianship skills developed. So my books have the website at the bottom and it's www.roxanasmusicworks.com. In terms of shipping, do you ship globally or is it limited to say Singapore or the US? Because I, I know some persons may have those questions. Let us see. I am not in North America. I'm not anywhere in Asia. Can I place my order and have it delivered to me? Yes, my books are uh, available in many countries of the world because I have many agents around the world. For example, in Australia, the books are available through Steps to Life. In um, New Zealand, I have a sister there. In US, I have a son there. I also have my books available through my daughter in uh, Australia. So UK, I have an agent also who will not just be available for the UK uh, nationals, but also for Europe. And so for USA, it will cater to Canada, uh, South America. And I have agents in Philippines, in Malaysia, in Indonesia as well. So basically, they are available around the world. Sounds pretty fantastic. I'm going to delve a little now into what I'd consider your personal life. You know, persons will listen to you talking about the experience of developing these books and so on. And they'll say, oh, it sounds so easy. Or they will think that you were born, we'll say, with a gold spoon in your mouth. So in terms of your life, whether you want to touch on it from a faith perspective or just from, I would say, a personal perspective, what would you consider to be some of the challenges that you had to overcome? And then also your strategy for overcoming some of these challenges. All right. Well, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon or a golden spoon. My parents were actually um, not able to afford piano lessons for me. They had three daughters and I'm the youngest. And my mother did not tell her you know, her husband-to-be at that time, that she wants her children to learn piano. So after she got married, she told uh, my father then that, oh, you know, I actually would like my children to learn piano. It's like, oh my, how do we ever afford to buy a piano? But they did, they bought, and my sister started learning. The first started learning together with the second because their ages were only 11 months apart. And me being uh, about three years younger than the second child, they didn't intend for me to learn. So I was not supposed, so to speak, to have the chance to learn. But I begged them for it. And I begged them for it. And I begged them till they say, we must give her a chance. And... My two sisters, they do teach the piano, but they are mainly nurses. They only teach much later, but I launched my whole career into piano teaching right from the very beginning when I left school. So my parents said, we are so glad we let her learn the piano. But life was not always easy for me. And um, there were ups and downs, Um, by the way, I had a piano teacher that charged me peanuts for my lessons because they know my parents couldn't afford it. So I owe it to this 
Christian teacher, this Adventist teacher, who was so compassionate to give me these lessons and taught me so well because I was so eager to learn as well. And, and she's a great teacher. And so she groomed me to who I am today, able to listen, able to play by ear, able to read by sight, like what I was trying to instill in children and able to play the piano well. However, I had what I call a wilderness experience. You know, we have a palace experience like Moses, the palace training that I got somehow put me through a wilderness period where I struggled with life. There are many struggles that I went through, whether it's um, marital or financial or in music as well, because there were some things that happened to me. And it was a very challenging time for me, but it truly sharpened my faith. It put me through the fire, so to speak. It purified me. It tested my faith to see if I would give up on God or whether I would cling to him and pray to him and experience him delivering me through the difficult times, experiencing him seeing me through when I put my prayers so specifically that I can actually see him answering me to the very points that I have put in, in my prayer. So my faith grew through my wilderness experience. Year after year, I experienced God leading me. And when I was doing these books, I also experienced his provision. I got stuck. I didn't grow up as an author. I didn't get trained to be an author. I, I didn't even know how to use the computer very well. And I had to use this app. And I fumbled from one app to another. At first, an easy app using my iPad. And then I found that it's not enough to meet my needs. And so I went to a, a table computer and, and struggled through. And I didn't know how to do certain things. And uh, lo and behold, when I was at this health center, that my husband was chairman of. And I had some people there from other countries. And I talked to them about my project. And one man, one young, young man told me, my wife can help you. She's a designer. She can do and help you through it because your problems can be solved through the apps that she used. So when can you come over? And the wife who was nursing a child, a baby said, you got to come late at night when my baby is asleep. And so I went over and, you know, we are at this health center that have all these rooms like a hotel for us. And so I went to her room very quietly without waking the baby. And she helped me through. And I told myself, God, you know, the chances of me being at this place, which is not in my home country, and this lady also traveled to this place. She's from Indonesia and we were in Malaysia. I'm, I'm usually in Singapore and we are there at the right time, at the right place, meeting the right people. I say, God, thank you really for this lady here. Her name is Melanie. And I already started feeling God guiding me through. 
And the next step was about printing it, you know, because I was really there to try and get this somehow printing process. And that's another story, you know, the printer actually say, go away. I don't want you because you, you, you're telling me to do this and that and, and you, you have too many uh, requirements. Get, get away. And I went back to the cow dejected. And my husband said, what happened? I said, he chased me away. So we tried another person and lo and behold, we got our things done. And I felt God leading because this person that worked with me He was so helpful and he got my initial projects done, books one to four at that time. And so I I again felt God's guidance, even though somebody pushed me away. I didn't feel discouraged because when God shuts a door, he literally opens another and I could feel him leading me through this project. And I still can feel it leading me because as book seven is being done, um, we are still at the initial stages, but God has provided me help. And I'm just letting him lead me on because he is so real in my life that I want everybody to know this wonderful God that I serve. Amen. Praise the Lord. And as I listen to you sharing, there are some lessons and I will maybe allow a chance for you to share some of those lessons, but there's a text from the Bible that pops into my mind, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. And it says simply, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So as I listened to you speaking from the start, you were not, let's say, earmarked to study music. However, because of that persistence, you got a chance. You were not an author. (laughs) Well, I don't know how many persons were. But despite the hardships and the struggles and the misgivings and the disappointments, you still persevered. So there are so many lessons that, you know, one can can honor from that. But before I allow you to answer, I want to give you, your husband, a chance, you know, to, to respond to what would have been some of the lessons as you listened to your wife and not only listen, you'd have experienced it. Talking about that sojourn, what are some lessons that you would have, say, picked from that that you would want to share with the listening audience? And then I will get back to your wife to share her own lessons on that aspect of her story. Well, even as I listen now, I've been working with her, uh, helping her with her books, driving her here, driving her there, listening to her being rejected and so forth. And that was an experience in, this, in itself. But as I listened to her accumulate all these uh, events, almost concentrating in, in a conversation with, with you, again, I relive the presence of God and his workings in our life, you know. And I can see how this music ministry actually dovetails and fits into a larger picture a broader spectrum of what we can do for our friends and community. And music is one of them, only one of them. The word of God is another, you know. And before COVID ever happened, we had no idea that we could actually, through Zoom, uh, go and reach other time zones, right? Our 
Bible material doesn't need to be printed, but can be virtual, <laughs> right? I don't have to invest in a building or rent a building and, and gather 300 people to listen. I invest in a software and I'm cutting into time zones, geography, culture, church, denomination, you name it. We have our talents, our knowledge. The virtual ability helps us reach, reach out so widely. It has, has amazed us. What we want to do, God has, true technology, allowed us, uh, facilitated our abilities far and wide. So I, I, I see the hand of God, not just in working with us to prepare us, to enable us to widen our abilities, but also to apply what is available to us to reach a larger community. Amen. And so for you, Sister Roxanne, if I should say that, if you could just you know, pinpoint, let us say one or two lessons from that sojourn. Yes, I think you have brought out a very precious text to press toward the mark of goal, right? The mark that we are to reach. And my husband has sometimes um, noticed how I persisted when I don't know how to do something, I don't give up. So one of the most difficult things that I uh, encountered when I was doing my books is not just trying to type all those notes into the software, it was copyrights. And I had to actually uh, search for all the songs as to whether they are copyrighted or not, and if they are, how to get permission. And that was a very tedious process. So I'm glad I went through it. It's all over. And it was such a tedious process that the temptation to give up is so strong. But I'm glad I didn't. Because sometimes after you have found out that, okay, this is the address, this is the email. Uh, and so you write to this person who is in charge of this song to give you permission to use it. After you go through all that process, they don't reply. And then you go to a person who is an expert in getting copyrights for you if you would pay a fee. And you talk to this person and this person talks as though, you know, yes, okay, he will help you. And then now give him the songs that you need. All right. And um, you can talk about how much you can pay him and you're willing to pay him to do that only to realize that he won't even reply you after that because he realized that he can't do it so easily. So in the end, it all comes back to me. And then publishing it was difficult because the publishers that I approached, they don't want to have anything to do with songs that require copyrights. So I ended up being my own publisher. So I am the author, I am the publisher, and I am also the distributor. <laughs> and I have gained so much experience doing that in the sense that I have gained so much. It was such a learning process for me. I have learned and grown so much through it all that I would say, I'm so glad I went through it because I'm a different person now, more confident, and I have met a lot more people through the process. I have made new friends, and through all the workshops that I have done, 
I have gotten to know teachers that I never would have known if I had not started out on this project. I have also gotten the attention of Steinway Piano Gallery, which I mentioned just now, and they hosted me. Even though it is a secular piano company, they hosted me as I talked about my Christian books with these Christian songs that could teach musicians the skills that are required for good musicianship. And then I became an educator also because now I'm more prominent through these books. So I feel that God has indeed promised and carried out what he promised to me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So when we seek God truly with our, all our hearts, and when we go through difficult times, and we still continue to trust him and see how he leads us because he has promised to do so, and then our lives become filled with praises to God because we feel him and sense him and, and really truly experience him in our hearts, in our minds, in our ears, in our everyday life. My God is real for I can feel him deep in my soul. The final question I will toss at you has to do with what I consider balance. So being wife, being husband, having a family, having to do ministry, we have challenges and disappointments. You know, how do you find the balance in your own lives each and every day? Well, firstly, you have to be very diligent. <laughs> this is not a work for the sloppy. So I have learned to be very diligent from a young age. And um, multitasking is one of the things that a pianist must learn. Every musician multitasks. And so... Sometimes I joke with my husband that everything I do is a game of multitasking. So my life, whether it's brushing my teeth or, you know, it's a game. And so I boost myself, you can say, that, hey, I got myself dressed up in uh, such a short time, <laughs> for example. So that's, of course, something that I get the kick and fun out of because if I were to just rush from one thing to another and... Um, not find balance, I would be very miserable. But that's one of the ways that I get so-called the play. You know, all work and no play is not good. So I work and play at the same time as I multitask and <laughs> uh, get myself through uh, in the shortest period of time. So that's, I think, one of the keys to getting my work done, as well as having time for play. And um, of course, as I mentioned just now, I had to cut down my teaching schedule so that I can accommodate the priorities of my life, which at this moment is the prophecy teaching, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it, it says, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So many people think that they don't need to study prophecy because they are already saved. They already know Jesus. They already love Jesus. But how can you truly love somebody whom you do not know? You have to know what Jesus tells you about himself before you can decide whether you really love him or not. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is revealed to us in his prophecies, is so important 
for every professed Christian, every Christian who calls himself a Christian, it's so important for us to know these prophecies because they only establish us. The prophecies, when properly studied, when correctly understood, when interpreted according to how the Bible, because the Bible interprets itself. So it's not interpreted privately according to current events. And we try to match those current events to the Bible and the prophecies. No, we have to study history because when Bible prophecies become fulfilled, when they are fulfilled, they become history. So we have to know the history, the historical aspects of prophecy before we can project it further into our future and say, yes, now this is how it should be interpreted. Now that I see what is currently happening, now this is the one that fulfills what the Bible has prophesied. So without history, we cannot truly understand prophecy. And so the prophecies have to be understood. Therefore, they have to be studied. So uh, that's the priority of my life now. And the other one is to help people to remember your creator through my books. Like I said, when I do workshops, I get to know new teachers and I have not just two hands and 24 hours a day, but many teachers using my books. And the more teachers know about my books, the better. At the moment, in fact, it has just finished. Somebody in Central Philippines Adventist College has done a research on my books so thoroughly according to the teachings of our church, how children should know God at a young age and so forth. And so he has done this research on my books. He did it as part of his graduation project. And he teaches piano too. And now his friends who are also in the music department have gotten to know about my books. And more Christian teachers are getting to know about my books because of his project. So I'm just looking forward to making my books, which are still pretty new, more and more known to teachers parents and music students, including retirees, Christians, because they can gift these. They can be Christmas gifts to their uh, family members, their nephews, nieces, so that they can use it and have a closer walk with Christ. Just like how these, these songs have blessed me when I was a child. I think the balance comes from when we treasure what we have benefited we want others to have the same benefits, all right? So for Roxana, her music, her piano have benefited her. Her Christian musicianship, let's call it that, has benefited her, and she wants to share it. So that is where the balance is. A force, a compelling force keeps you rolling forward, right? The other major benefit in our lives is that we are both Christians, and we have benefited from the gospel in real terms, in practical daily terms. So that is another momentum that keeps us going. And most of all, in our study of prophecy throughout history, we've seen God's hand over history over time, over thousands of years. For example, in our prophecy study, we start with 
the book of Daniel. And Daniel lived in the time of Babylon till the time of Persia, all right? In his life of, I don't know, 80, 90 years, he saw prophecy fulfilled in his own lifetime. And then what happens after he died, the book of Daniel was reopened by another prophet, John, like five, 600 years later. I mean, this link between two prophets over hundreds of years came true. And so it, again, we have benefited from prophecy in terms of the certainty of God over history. And if his hand is over history, large spans of time over history, his hand is certainly over us individually. So this kind of study of the hand of God, of his love and grace and mercy over people, over countries, over nations, just keeps us going because we are certain from history, because of joining the dots of history, we are now certain of how to project history forward. The trajectory, the destiny, the trajectory is very clear in our minds. So I think as we uh, go into this prophetic uh, Zoom uh, studies, people sense that certainty. And therefore, they come back to us over and over again. Some have been with us, well, over two years now, right? That's when it started. And they're still with us. So we are very encouraged and we, we want to see this rolling forward. And it's so good to be heard on an interview. And we hope, I know, you, we get a lot of inquiries and that this uh, desire of us of sharing our benefits can be uh, replicated. Amen. The benefits of dedicating your life to service to God. Today, my guests are international lay evangelist, Kok Tho Yip and Roxana Tang. Their life, it's just a tremendous journey. I promised earlier that at a later date, we'll delve a little bit more into the life of Kok Tho Yip. So in case you would have been listening and wondering how it is he didn't say too much, then sometime in June of this year, we'll hear a lot more from him. But just before we go, as is customary, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Well, I'm reminded of how Ellen White said, heaven is cheap enough. When we get to heaven, we will say all the hard work that we have put in, all the sacrifices, all the perhaps even persecutions that we go through, heaven is worth it all. So I have myself gone through being persistent as a child, begging my, my parents to let me learn the piano. I have been persistent even when I went through my wilderness experience. And I have been persistent while writing these books, uh, whether I was going through, you know, searching for people to help me when I, I needed help or just trying to solve those problems all by myself. Whatever it was that I went through, I feel right now that it was worth it. How much more we will feel that sense of heaven is cheap enough, heaven is worth it. We having God with us on our side is such a precious, how did I say, feeling asset. No, he's God. He's, he's our power. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's, he's the power that we need, each and every one of us. 
we are limited. And yet when we have God, we have everything that we need. Well, on my part, I began life as a Buddhist, a Taoist, and then I did Zen meditation. I started when I was 20. And by and by, I began to think, to be mistaken that I was enlightened, that I didn't need God. And my arrogance was only realized when I met Christ at the cross. Because after listening to a preacher for three days, I realized my blindness. I realized my arrogance. Because what was presented to me was the love of God, was that he was crucified for me. And so I met Christ at the cross and the purity and the strength, the incomparable strength of his love actually revealed to my own heart how sinful I am, how arrogant, how proud I was. And that was my turning point. And um, to have my blindness revealed back to me in love was so precious to me that from 38 onwards, I, um, I have only thanks for the guidance of God in my life. So I want to encourage everyone, really, to open their hearts to what God can do in their lives, to what God can reveal to their hearts and what they can become in the sight of God, following God in the steps that he would guide us. So we're very happy to be able to, to be part of this interview and to be able to share our, our benefits with everyone. Yes, indeed, we are very pleased for this privilege of being interviewed. You've been in tune to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page. Click like and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.